Welcome to this week's episode of Spiritual Hustle. I'm Anthony Filipovich, and along with co-host Justin Sabinski, we're happy to welcome Hendrik DeLange to this episode. Hendrik is passionate about patents, um, and we're really interested to talk to you to understand how this passion came about and to understand patents more, because I have a lot of questions about patents. Hendrik, pl please tell us uh, how you became passionate about it. Well, thank you for inviting. Um, how do I come uh, excited and passionate about patents? That's maybe something that you should ask my ancestors, because I, I realized that when I started working at the European Patent Office, that my grandfather uh, already fulfilled the exact same role as I did as a patent examiner in the Dutch Patent Office in the uh, late 50s and 60s. Uh, this was was quite remarkable because I, I didn't know the man because he died at my at the age of two mm -hmm. uh, when I was two I mean and um, I never realized this or never heard it from my father but one of the colleagues I met in, in, in Munich where I was working he told me that my grandfather was also working there so that was that was kind of uh, remarkable right. yeah but what I like a lot about patents when I was a student, I had an assignment to go searching in the uh, patent databases. By that time, it was still all paperwork. So uh, uh, really going through paper fonts uh, for uh, some uh, technology related to um, infer, no, um, the use of uh, microwave in speeding up reaction. Um, reactions, chemical reactions. Okay. And uh, when I did that, I was like surprised about the volume of technology data and the massive, massive uh, amount of patents and information that was hiding in this, well, this offices uh, uh, in in the Hague that time. Uh, the European Patent Office had their databases, all their paper records uh, stored in the Hague. And that was also where they performed their, their uh, literature searches. So in the same literature, um, guests could also search. And I was, I was really amazed. Uh, by the end of my studies, I filed my first patent. I was then 24, 25. Uh, for, for a product that that time I thought was going to bring me the big fortune. Well, uh, it, it really didn't, but it was... Uh, what, what was really surprising is that if you read through a lot of patents, I, at that time I read through about 400 patents, uh, then you see a certain scheme, how these patents are built up and how they're, how they're um, yeah, there's a sort of logic behind the patents. Only later on, when I started working in the European Patent Office, I found that actually this is all embedded in a, in a legal system, so it's all prescribed. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I sort of, when I started working in the patent field, I already had a huge amount of knowledge about patents because I found my own patent at early age. And yeah, this, this patent, the whole patent system is, is like the idea of rewarding somebody for progressing the technology. I, I love it. I, it is, it's, it's a really, really deep, I would say, Mm, story or, or a, a deep philosophy on how to 
progress as a country uh, or as the world. And that's, that's really, I, I like it. I like the whole idea. So, do, have you ever looked at um, patent trends uh, related to nations uh, to determine like um, um, the, the impact? Like and what I'm saying is like, obviously the U.S. probably has the most patents out of any country, I'm assuming, right? And they've always been known as innovative. Um, but has anyone done an analysis on other like country by country or the major tech 20 countries to, to determine their economic progress and how that correlates to patents? Yes. Uh, well, I did. I, okay. uh, I did statistical analysis uh, about a, a number of countries on how they progress and how this relates to their number of patents. Uh, very general, it is any nation where the number of patents grow show also uh, grow in um, uh, uh, gross domestic product per capita. So that's a sort of a wealth indicator. Right. Sort of. Uh, there's a, a positive correlation, uh, no exception, but the correlation does not necessarily mean a causality. Uh, the, the funny thing is the, the, the Dutch patent statistics go back around 500 years. And there's also some downturns in the economy and also downturns in the number of patents uh, being, being um, granted. Funny, funny enough, the Dutch system had uh, 43 years uh, without any patents. There was in the, in the uh, mid 19th century, there was the idea that, that patents would hinder technology and progress. So uh, the Dutch government in a sort of act of braveness, but also uh, stupidity uh, decided to cancel the whole patent system. And you can see, and that's, that's the clearest indication from that time, if you look at the uh, wealth indicator, like the gross domestic product per head of, or per capita, or head of the population, you see that from a leading, uh, compared to Belgium and uh, Germany, then our, our neighbors, to after this 43 years, we went to lagging. And we missed about 50, 55% of uh, growth in gross domestic product per capita compared to our neighbors. Still, it is very difficult to say this is related to uh, the lack of a patent system, but the indication is pretty clear. So uh, in that sense, yes, there is some clear indication that, that the number of patents are related to progress. And if you see uh, rapid growth in, in patent uh, filing numbers, you can expect a rapid growth in uh, wealth and economy as well. Funny enough, there is a lacking time from, well, in the 17th and 18th century from about 60 years and now still about 40 years. So if the number of patents go up massively, you see only 40 years down the line, you see a huge spike in wealth. And this is, this is remarkable because these this time delays are so big uh, if you now abolish a patent system in, for, for instance, the U.S., only our children or grandchildren will really feel the pain. Mm. Well, it sounds like... <laughs> um, so uh, just um, um, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I, um, let's, let's define uh, what you mean exactly. Like what, what is a patent to, uh, if you're explaining like a patent, 
uh, versus copyright uh, and how kind of all that works. Uh, like, does each country have its own like, patent system or is there a, a, a universally accepted one? Um, yes, well, well, you can file patents on three different levels. Uh, one is a global, the second is a regional, and the last one is a national. National is the smallest level. But uh, patent systems and the patent law are very much unified all over the world. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the American Invent Act, uh, but there was uh, America had for a long time uh, a first to invent principles, whereas the rest of the world had the first to file principles. And that, that means something like the inventor who is filing the first application for a specific technology is the one who is uh, uh, able to get a patent. In the old American system, it was the one who was first inventing. So at the moment of filing, if there were more people claiming the invention, then they had to go through all the records to see who was actually the first, the first who put it in his journals, the first who was inventing. So it means that, that in the uh, US system till about 10 years ago, you had to keep very neat records of all your techni technical development in order to later prove that you were the first to invent. And the US uh, switched to the first to file system as the last country on the planet. So that was actually an, a step in the harmonization of the patent systems. And it was, uh, um, I think, more or less it's, it is accepted, although in this uh, um, America Invent Act, there were some other changes that were maybe uh, well, less, less of a progression. But um, so, so there, there is uh, a, a, a very good uh, globalized system. What is the difference between a patent and, for instance, copyright? Patent is really a protection of a technological idea. Uh, copyright is more like uh, where the creation or aesthetics plays a role. So works of art are specifically excluded from patent law and works of technology are excluded from copyright. So there's a, you feel already there's a sort of interface and uh, for instance, computer software uh, was when these, these systems were more or less globalized, computer software was believed to fall into the copyright part instead of in the patent right. So that's why patents on software are still very, very difficult to obtain uh, because they're still sort of categorized in the copyright law, which I don't think that they are on the right spot there. If they would be protected, I think a patent would have been better. And that's for, for actually a couple of reasons. First, uh, the time constraints on copyright are 70 years after the death of the, um, I say the creator. And the uh, patent system is only 20 years. And that's another thing, copyright. You don't need any registration to obtain a copyright on your works. Whereas a patent system, you need to describe and file a patent and pay maintenance fees for the life of the patent in order to keep your right. So the copyright is a far easier right to obtain and a far easier right to, to keep. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say for especially computer inventions, maybe a stricter, more difficult system would be better. 
but you see that that huge corporations uh, are more or less against it because uh, yeah it changes the market completely and uh, it's also very very difficult to now switch to a, a, a patent system for for um, computer inventions or software inventions because the state of the art is is so massive that uh, it's uh, that's going to be very very difficult to prove that something is new or an inventive which are the requirements for obtaining a patent mm. so it's a lot of information i i'm pouring yeah. into you <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking of the i'll think about everything you said let me clarify one thing you, you mentioned that uh, the copyright term is 20 years but then you mentioned something is 70 years what was no, the, the copyright the copyright term is 70 years after the death of the creator so the the Walt Disney, uh, Mickey Mouse, and Donald Duck are uh, soon expiring, I would say, but they're still protected. And uh, the patent patent uh, uh, protection is maximum twenty years, and there is a requirement that every year a uh, payment of a fee must or uh, a fee must be paid. At least in the most systems in the U.S., it is uh, the the windows are like um four times uh five years if i'm correct so there you have to pay every four times yeah, every four years you have to pay an, uh, an additional fee okay. in in the european uh, patent systems you have to pay every year a maintenance fee mm. and if you don't pay it your patent becomes uh, um, extinct becomes uh, um, uh, and then the technology is free for everybody to use Gotcha. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still missing something. That, that you said the patent is, is in existence till 70 years after uh, the death of the person that filed the patent. No, that's the copyright. Copyright you get. Oh, copyright. From, okay. Copyright you get from, from the date of creation. Right. And copyright is valid 70 years after the death of the creator. Okay. Immense. It's immense how long this time span is. Yeah. Uh, patent law is typical. You have to file for an application where you have to describe what your technology is. Then it gets examined if it is uh, fulfilling the requirements for getting a patent and then it is granted. So a patent is a granted right. A copyright is a self-obtained right. Mm. That's a huge difference. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I asked the question because because uh, the, the difference is vast but um, but when you initially think about it you you, you I just I lumped those together um, in like a Venn diagram of, of definitions copyright and patents are squarely similar to me and then after you explaining that they're actually quite different and um, um, separated by technology and arts in, in a way yes uh, and uh, well, they're both both uh, intellectual property rights. It means that uh, they, you can uh, exert them against anyone on on. Uh, it's it's not limited. Uh, that that makes it the same, and it is like it is both. Really, if you want to protect your property, you have to act as the owner of the right. It's same in the same way. If you have a property of a land, uh, you can. Uh, actually uh, um, prevent anyone from entering but you have to act on it it's the same thing 
So, so let's talk about uh, briefly, and then, and then we're going to start getting, uh, start talking about some of your patents and some of your technology that you, because uh, you have some interesting stuff. But um, just briefly, um, uh, like a couple of things that are kind of just on like the fringes of of, of, of uh, patents, and they, it's a uh, open source technology um, where all the tech is available out there, and you can uh, do with it as you please, and it's and it's absolutely free. How does how is that how is that technology affecting uh, patents and um, well, the, itself. the open source technology is basically uh, most of it is related to software and computer inventions. Mm. So the open uh, licenses are always uh, reflecting to a copyright law. And not okay. To okay. Gotcha. Um, there are some technologies in the uh, sphere for patent protection that are also uh, open and uh, licensed for free. And this, this has led to a very weird thing because uh, most of these open source licenses are sort of reversed licenses in the sense that if you use the technology, you have to open up that this technology is used and then you have to open up all that is related to this technology. So for instance, if you have a washing machine and you have the internal program you use for instance some python programming modules that are under a open source license then you have to open up the whole washing machine programming routines and there have been some weird cases that somebody claimed like hey you as producer of washing machines use some open source software in a closed system please open up your entire software Oh. So it is very, very difficult for, for uh, a lot of uh, manufacturers that they really have to look like, hey, which technology can we use without the obligation to open up our whole system? So this is, this is a, 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 in a sense, a weird uh, way, um, but this, it is mostly related to software. Mm. It is, I don't know, a couple of years ago, Tesla opened up all its uh, patent technology to their, their cars. Mm -hmm. uh, that, this sounds like a sort of open source uh, thing, but it is not. They just decided to not maintain their patents. So it becomes open for everybody, but you don't have to disclose what you do. Mm -hmm. Other than these open source uh, licenses. Gotcha. The, the technology is... They're, they're not hiding anything, but just, they're just not. Opening up, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, well, the patent, the nice thing of patents is you can't hide because you can only enforce a right which you fully disclose to the public before you enforce the right. Mm -hmm. Because else nobody knows when you're trespassing any patent, so it should be completely open. But the moment you stop uh, paying your fees, uh, well, these this patent rights uh, just uh, cease to exist. And then it's open technology. So, yeah, so I, I guess, um, and then just another kind of out there question uh, that I, I don't know if you, you've uh, experienced this at all, but um, um, a lot of times in, um, in history, it, it seems like technological advances happen um, almost like in synchronicity, like just for example, off the top of my head, there's like, four, and um, maybe you can answer this question for me too, there's, but there's like three or four different countries that, that claim the, the right to saying that, that they invented the airplane first. Um, and, you know, since I'm, I'm American, we were always told that the Wright brothers were the first to invent the airplane. But then 
There's uh, uh, Germany, uh, I've heard them claim it, I've heard Brazil claiming it as well, and then everyone saying which one was uh, invented first. Is this something that, that happens consistently where, um, or that, that you've seen where, where inventions, similar inventions seem to happen extremely close to one another? Um, yes. and, and what do you think that's all about? Yeah, it's, it's funny that you, that you mentioned the airplanes. Uh, what is it that time? Uh, the whole idea of, of uh, uh, flying was a dream of uh, many in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it was Lilienthal who was really studying all the aerodynamics of wings. And the Wright brothers really, really closely studied all the material of Lilienthal. Uh, Lilienthal, I think he's himself died in the late 80s of the uh, uh, 20th century. Uh, sorry, the 19th century. The 19th century, yeah. And uh, uh, the Wright brothers were, I, for as far as I know, the first to have a motorized flight. So, mm-hmm. um, but it is, it is like uh, always difficult to see because there's maybe somewhere in a country, some people experimenting with similar or the same thing. So it's always difficult to, to, to prove it. The nice thing is if you look at, the, at the, the, the earliest patents from motorized flight, well, they're from the Wright brothers. So you go to the patents to see who... Well, you can, but it is not always always conclusive because if you don't find a patent, if, if you're, you're, for instance, uh, an inventor and you don't have the knowledge or you don't have the, the means to, to file a patent, then you can even be earlier. Mm-hmm. I get you. The nice thing is in, in the, the early uh, US patents, it was uh, basically the one who got the rights was the first to invent. So if there were some cases or some people who claimed and then somehow uh, the Wright brothers cut their patents but they, they not only got their patents on, on the motorized flight but also on various uh, techniques to steer the flight and uh, to balance it so so there's you know it's it's like a technology never comes alone and it is it, uh, uh, it's it's uh, um, always like like there's lots of minds are thinking about it, communicating about it, and then sooner or later somebody is really having the decisive step in. And, and it's, it's, it's not always clear where this decisive step actually is made. Maybe it's made in a conference, you know, and, and only one of the uh, people knows to first put it in practice. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's always a very difficult, uh, difficult thing. And uh, you will, you will keep on seeing this, this in various uh, kinds of technologies. And there's, there's another thing is like, like, it's also like the somehow technology is ripe for a new step somewhere. And, 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 and you see if the technology is ripe, there's lots of people being confronted with similar or the same problems and trying to figure out how to solve them. So it is not, not weird that sometimes uh, at various places, more or less at the same time, same solution to the same problems occur. Because it's sort of the state of the knowledge. And, uh... Yeah, I, I think that um, something that you put into, in, in, into perspective for me when, when we were uh, uh, in London together and you were doing your speech and you pointed at um, the, um, what was it, the, the, the fire extinguishers um yes. uh, that were that were on the uh, that were on the ceiling and um and you explained that the, these this needed to be invented this this has a patent for it and it, it's like 
and they guys stop and I think it, I'm like looking at all the technology around me and it's like all of these things had to be invented. Like we weren't, we didn't just wake up one day and, and that's something that, that, you know, I, I guess it, it sounds so like self-evident. It's like, it's like stupid, Justin, just not thinking about anything and taking everything for granted again. But, um, <laughs> but it, it is really stunning, stunning that, that every, every single thing that is around us, I got, I've just got all these mics and everything around me and it's like, all of these are patented. All of these have been invented by somebody. And it, it's a, um, an incredible thing because you're an inventor. So it's like um, you, you, you dabble at, at the very least. And, um, it, and, and you understand the, the importance of that. And it's, yeah. Well, I, I would say um, uh, my, my dream has always been to be an inventor. But I realized that I'm not such a good inventor. Or it, it, takes, it takes a lot of... Um, how would I say, uh, endurance, luck, courage, uh, the right decisions. It, it, it is not easy to put an invention onto the market. And if I, I just uh, tell you some statistics, and these statistics come from uh, the German Institute of Fraunhofer. And uh, the, funny enough, the um, third party invention committee of Siemens, both of them, they, they sort of uh, realized that only 3% of all inventions are actually going to be commercially successful. So that means that if you, if you have one invention, uh, chances are about 3% that it is going to be successful. 97% chances are that it is not going to be for successful for whatever reason. First of the reasons being that it is uh, technically not feasible or uh, difficult to produce, but also like uh, difficult to get investors, difficult to get clients, um, all kinds of reasons. Yeah, it's like um, you could have, well, first of all, 3% to me seems extremely high. I figured it was gonna be 1%, uh, but uh, so that, that gives me hope. But um, the, the idea that you can invent something that, that could be game changing for the entire world, but just no, uh, nobody understanding the technology yet, so therefore no one investing in it or no one purchasing in it. Um, it, the, the insanity of that. I, I guess the, the, the biggest thing of being an, an inventor is just having a high interest in whatever you're working on because it's like, you, if you're in it for the money, you know, like as you said, the, the odds are stacked well against you. So it's like, as long as you're doing something you enjoy, maybe you could produce something and make yes. a living off of it. But um, so, so um, I, I guess that, that kind of segues into um, um, uh, some of the technology that you were writing about in the, in, in the, in the, in the, uh, the interview file. Um, uh, what, what are some of those things that it kind of interest you that you're kind of working on? Well, at the moment, I'm, I'm working on, on an idea that I, well, actually, it is, it is already proven that it is at least technically feasible, that is solar-powered flight. So mm -hmm. it is closely related to, to what the Wright brothers did, but now the, the, the source is no longer uh, any fossil fuels, but just uh, the... the <coughs> And it is uh, very neatly proven uh, by the Solar Impulse, who flew around the, the, the globe in a couple of days, uh, only on the power of the sun. And they also flew during the night, so they had sufficient battery power uh, aboard to keep on flying, which is actually... That's in incredible, because... The, yes, it, it is, definitely. And, yeah, uh, yeah, the major holdback with, uh, with uh, solar is always the battery. The battery is always lagging. And that is, uh, well, in, in flight, but the, the, the plane that they made is, is still very, very impractical for, um, 
how would I say for for passenger flight or freight flight? It's just uh, it is very very light, and with uh, I think the, the the wingspan had something like a wingspan of a Boeing seven four seven, only to uh, be able to have two people aboard. So that you feel already that the the sizes are uh, not optimal for for. Well, I don't know. I think there's some some 400 or 500 people being able to be aboard a 747. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is <laughs> in that dimensions only for two people. You you feel that it is not yet uh, not yet very very um, uh, uh, practical. But on the other hand, it is uh, magnificent that you can just use only the, the power of the sun to fly. That that I find really magnificent. Um, it really takes the, the story of Icarus and turns it on its head a little bit. Yes. So it's, uh, it's yes. Crazy. It is like, like closer to the sun is more power. Instead yeah. <laughs> melting, melting the wax of your feathers. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It's beautiful. Yes. That's a, uh, but it is, it's a, uh, but it's, it's, it's a uh, more or less an interest. I don't see that I will ever being, uh, how would I say commercially successful with, uh, uh, um, how would I say solar uh, powered flight but I now I purchased a set of uh, from the, uh, these, these very very thin uh, solar cells and uh, a model plane and I'm now trying to build a an, an radio controlled uh, solar powered plane funny enough also of those there are some guys on the globe that made already some videos on their solar powered uh, planes so it's it's uh, um, i think if i estimated like five or six guys around the world are now building these planes so that's cool and i have an idea about it that i think that might uh, uh, make it feasible in the, in the future but this is with flexible solar cells and uh, the flexible solar cells at the moment are more heavy than the uh, non-flexible solar cells and that's uh, and and the flexible solar cells are less efficient. <laughs> it's a, it's not yet feasible to make uh, uh, something that is well. In my idea, is like you can fold it up and put it in a big rucksack and then still be able to fly on solar power. Well, that's that's the dream, but it is simply not feasible yet. But you see, also this technology is progressing. So sooner or later, maybe it will. Cool. That's 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 the thing that I'm I'm working on, um, and then I'm I'm as I told you earlier that I'm working on this uh, course for searching in patent documents. That's what I'm working on at the moment, which I really think uh, which will be commercially uh, successful, because I see lots of my clients uh, they have not sufficient knowledge in how to access uh, the patent documents. There's there's some around 100 million patent documents now um, available online and there are search engines for them, but they are quite complex. And this course is in how to access these search engines, how to search in a logical way to find as soon as possible the most related patents to your technology, to your inventions. I gave this course uh, a number of times to clients, just uh, as a um, as a, a live course um, in front of uh, sometimes 10, 20 developers. And I'm now putting this course in a sort of online format. 
and I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm really at the infant stage of this course because I'm really learning how this course environment is, is uh, working, how the setup is. So, so this is, this is for me as well, as well completely new. Mm-hmm. And I must say, uh, sometimes a bit frustrating because I spent all day to, I told, told Anthony to put in a payment button and I, I haven't succeeded yet. <laughs> button on my course which is quite an essential part of the course uh, I would say yeah I would say that that's up there on the uh, the importance list yeah. definitely <laughs> content so and then a buy button yeah that's what I'm working now on and for the rest it's, it's funny that you you say like the the uh, uh, fire extinguishing systems uh, one of my clients is uh, growing big in fire extinguishing systems and uh, with him, we uh, visit now once a year at least the uh, U.S. to go to various potential clients to uh, give sales presentations for them to get a license on this technology. And the funny thing is that this, this is really major oil uh, and uh, major gas uh, product producing uh, industry. So that's, that's really, really cool. And slowly but certainly we get more and more clients in the, also in the U.S. and for the rest around the globe on this technology. And that's, uh, yeah, that's fascinating. And that's, that's also a part of the business I really, really like. Uh, giving presentations, trying to convince uh, companies to get this technology. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that, that the, the, your course idea is, gonna, is, uh, is excellent because... I mean, first of all, if if at any point you're doing um, public speaking on uh, teaching people something, then that that thing should be online somewhere because there's probably uh, plenty more people out there that uh, have no idea how to do this stuff and have no idea how to access you and are probably worlds away um, who would definitely need to uh, know how to do that stuff. And uh, for you to be there with with a course and everything, that would, that would be extremely helpful because it it is a, a very confusing process. If, for example, you're just an inventor and you you hadn't even really considered patent patenting, and then yeah. uh, and well, it, well, the, the, one of the most important things is that that in early stages of inventing, it is really good to look at the patent documents to see what is out there True. for yeah. inspiration. True. But also for like, hey, uh, you don't want to develop something that's already there. That's already developed, yeah. And it happens a lot, also with my clients. I see it a lot. I come with a new invention, and uh, one or two days later, I found a document that is exactly explaining what they have invented. It's crazy. It's like, uh, I mean, it's obvi- it's obviously not malicious. They're not going to waste any uh, everyone's time. Like they literally thought of something that it had already been thought of. I don't ideas are, are fascinating and it, it seems like the, these patent things are uh, basically licenses on, on ideas. So it, it's like, um, a, it's an interesting clash of worlds because at one, at one end of the spectrum, you're, uh, this, this, our, um, our, our podcast is called Spiritual Hustle because we, we do dive deep in the spirituality of stuff. And I, I think we kind of hit on something that, that really connects uh, uh, intrinsically to the material world of uh, technology and then, and then of the idea and subjective world of, of thought. And, and it, it's, it's like, it, 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 in itself, the patent is a technology that, that is uh, delving into a very interesting um, uh, world, I guess. I, I don't even know, know where I'm going with that, but, um, but it, it's just very fascinating. 
Well, I, I can say something about it. It's, it's really yeah. like if you look at the word, word invention, actually it's like uh, uh, the word vent is like referring to the Latin or French wind. And it is like something is blown inside your brain, head, and then suddenly you have a higher conscious. So it is something very spiritual. Actually, the act of, of inventing has something deeply spiritual. Yeah, well, in, uh, in Latin, um, memory, the word memory is, uh, is inventus. So um, they're, they're fully aware that, that you need, that there's things going on here in order to invent um, yes. uh, that have to do with memory. But continue, please. And uh, that, that, that I, find, I find fascinating, but it's also weird that, that you have a problem, like, like you know, this, 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 this globe that we live on is sort of limited in its raw materials and is limited in its energy and is limited in lots of things, but it is not limited in ideas. Okay. And we create a lot of value, not by excavating new materials, but by doing something smarter or more efficient or different. And that's, that, that I find fascinating that, that the whole, how say the whole addition of value and the creation of value is actually not in more mining or more how say finding of, of raw materials, but it's in dealing smarter with them. And that's where the inventions come about, and that's that's fascinating. So this 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 and the, and the weird thing is that that of this whole pile, there's now some approximately two million patents filed each year. Well, some, some, let's say 3% of that is, is really going to be commercially um, successful. That is still some, well, let's say 60,000 patents each year. It's, a, it's, a, it's massive. That's, that's what is happening. And, and the numbers are only growing. So it is, it's a, it is incredible what is, what is happening, actually. It's really incredible. And the nice thing is because these systems become more and more unified and more and more uh, the same all around the globe, uh, it, it, there's, there's more and more people who are getting access to this, to this system. And uh, my course is really one of the tools to get better access to the technology that's already there, the information that's already there in order to speed up this whole process. So there's, there's, a, there's a real deeper reason for why I'm doing this. And I, I firmly believe that indeed patents bring us first as technology, uh, as in the end, uh, a better environment, uh, better use of energy, better use of raw materials. And we need it. We need it in the planet. And, and one, one of the massive examples is uh, there's this this pretty young guy he's a, he's a dutch inventor who is now working on collecting the plastic from the oceans i don't know if you heard about it yeah yeah big, uh, yeah yeah and and uh, uh, funny enough they made a, a massive step uh, they, they they thought of uh, having screens attached to the seafloor of the the oceans and now they realize that, that the motion of oceans is like uh, on the top level of oceans, oceans are far more rapidly moving than in the deeper level. 
So they don't need to anchor these systems to the seafloor. They can anchor them to a lower, uh, how say, layer of water, and that that makes these systems suddenly far less complex, far less big. And the nice thing is, suddenly they make them uh, uh, that they can move. So they move along with the currents. So actually, they move also along with the debris. But since they move slower than the debris, the debris still collects in these screens. Fascinating, really fascinating. And, and you see, it, it is like, like uh, because they were busy with it and because they were thinking of it, somebody of this, this company came on the idea to, to, to try this. And it apparently is going to work very, very well and very, very efficient. So it, it's, it's amazing that from a country like the Netherlands, there's somebody who is now putting in the um, Atlantic Ocean and soon also in the Pacific Ocean, <coughs> some sort of filters that filter out plastic debris. Fascinating. Really, it's a... That is amazing. Like the, the, one, the one thing you said in the last like 30 minutes that really caught my attention is um, there may be limited resources, natural resources on this planet, but there is no limit to, to the number of ideas we can come up with, right? And yes. the ideas in and of themselves can make um, the natural resources almost lim limitless. Uh, with new technology, we need less resources, right? Um, so it's the ideas, really. And, and I always do this, but the, you know, the talk about patents kind of brings us home. The, the new ideas is what propels us forward as a global community. Um, and I'm just thinking out loud here. So. The, the tool that you're providing, which enables people to quick, uh, do a quicker search through the patents to identify what, if what they're thinking about is out there or, or not, seems like an invaluable service because you don't, you don't want people, like you said, like spending a year or large amounts of their time going down a road if that road's already been traveled, right? And, and, and I can see this, like I can see like if you had the access to this type of service then someone who is like really in in um, an inventor in an invent mode and has like a hundred different ideas it will help him to zero in on the one that's open in the marketplace right yes well i i i find that extremely difficult because it is like technical problems are not by definition also in economic value or vice versa so that's that's and that's also like like uh, what i see is that people who think in technical problems have a very diff much difficulty thinking in uh, economic solutions or selling or getting getting value so it is it's always a i, I think that that's also one of the reasons that that there's only three percent of the uh, technology that is uh, filed for a patent is really <coughs> going to be commercially successful it's like like a lot of it is just invented for nothing and there's also a lot of waste of resources and energy there that's like what i'm saying yeah it's, it's it's so it is um what what my my system is doing and what i hope is that uh for those who are uh, uh studying it they are easier getting onto the boundary from the known and the unknown. And the unknown is still to be invented, and the known is everything that is 
already documented and there and available. And it is, it's, it is really massive that uh, the USPTO, the European Patent Office, the World Intellectual Property Office, they all put these documents out there on a massive scale. And it is, it is fabulous that it is there. And what I, what I really am surprised that there's so many people who develop new technology that have no knowledge or no access to these documents. Well, they're just there. And that's 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 a fascinating and and this this early realization of the value of these documents came already when I was first in this paper files in the in the European Patent Office in the Hague, when it was still a hundred percent paper search. There were no search engines uh, available at that time for for patent search. It is massive the amount of information you can find there. Just just to give you an idea, the the uh, patents are classified. Uh, in several levels. If you look at the fifth level, and that's not the most detailed level, there are some 70,000 classes. So, um, it's, 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 it's massive. So, it is, if, you, if you look at it, I, I see it as a sort of, you know, there's a, there's a thin border between what is already known and what is not known. And this is a sort of, how would I say, uh, uh, a tree, an outside of a tree, or a, a fleece around a tree, and with with seventy thousand various branches. So it is a multi-dimensional sort of plane, mm -hmm. and it is shifting each time somewhere. It is shifting a bit more outside. Like the the, the body of knowledge is getting is growing bigger, and it is growing bigger with about two million patent documents each year. That's that's the speed of growing off this surface. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's fascinating to think. And it is, it is uh, like what I hope with my program is that people get sooner to that boundary layer so that they know that they're working on something that is really progressing. Or if they see that somebody else has already some rights, that they get a sensible licensing agreement or, or other cooperation systems in place. Yeah, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. In, in some ways, I'm, I'm you know having a technical background. I'm trying to equate it to technology, and uh, the the most obvious is um, Google. Google enabling like better searches so people can understand yes. or find what they what's relevant to them on the internet, right? Yes, you're doing the same thing with patents, um, and with patents, the importance of it is to me. Uh, on looking at it like from a 30,000 foot level is even more important because people who are serious about patents, it allows them the ability to, like you said, find out what all, all the information that is out there right now to see whether their idea is, is not patented and move forward with it. Or if it is patent to see all the supporting documentation around that idea so they can take it to the next level or expand on it. Um, if, if they desire, but it gets them to that boundary point, like you were saying, quicker, right? It saves, saves everyone time. Yes. Well, there's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned Google. Google has uh, also a patent search engine. Uh, it's quite good. It's not, not all the patents are there, but uh, quite a lot. Uh, there's an intimate cooperation between the European Patent Office and Google, especially the translation tools that are on the European Patent Office Websites are um, bought or uh, provided by Google. 
right. there's one thing, and that that is is uh, what make me feel hesitant about using Google Patents. It's like the moment if you disclose your technology, then you cannot protect it anymore because then it's not anymore new. And I'm not sure, but I think that if you search on Google Patents, they capture your search routine. And if you do a good job in searching, then in your search routine, you can see your invention. So by searching in Google Patents, you might disclose to Google your patent search and your invention. So that's why I'm hesitant to advise people to search in Google, especially if they want to know about some specific technology they are thinking of protecting. That's the, that's the only downside of Google uh, search engines. And especially if, you, if you're, for instance, Microsoft and you're uh, looking for a new technology to search, I would stay away from Google patent search. So, so Google has a service specific to patent searches. Yeah, it has Google Patent Search. Oh, I, I didn't. And it's I quite it's, it's 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 also quite accessible. Uh, basically, it's it's uh, at the moment they have basically uh, only the full text of all the U.S. documents. From the other uh, patent uh, sources, I'm not sure. I I don't use it very much because uh, if I search for my clients. I want to search in an environment that I'm pretty sure that it will not uh, be seen by any third party. So I use always search engines of the official patent institutions because they they are the last to uh, disclose their uh, search routines because then they kill their own business. Mm -hmm. So uh, they earn their money by protecting or giving protection to new technology. So they will not hinder their own clients in, in uh, protecting their technology by disclosing their search routines, if you understand what I mean. And yes. Google is not this bias because they, are not, they don't earn their money on their protection. Uh, on the contrary, they earn their money on the, how would I say, on the behavior of the people searching, both in the patents and uh, in Google at all, so so they they have a different interest. So did you you're implying that Google like um, analyzes the search on patents in order to find um, things that might be interesting, so that they might exploit the patent? Is that what you're saying? I cannot guarantee that I don't don't do it. I, th- I right. think they, 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 well, they're a third party, right? So they, they might do it. Is, is your whole they might do it, and they, 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 they are perfectly okay because if you if you uh, work on on Google search engines, I think you signed a, a service agreement that you allow them to use all the information you give. Really, I think so. Yes. Well, at, at least I would have done it if I was Google and right. somebody was was searching in my search engine. I would say like, okay, uh, thank you for your information, but I want to use it for whatever I want to, even disclosure. Yeah, it's, it's the same as, you know, Facebook. Every, every yes. photograph you put on Facebook is, is owned by Facebook. Yes. It's in the terms of service. Yeah. No, so, that's, that's, that's okay if you, as long as you know it. But that's why I say like the moment you search for something classified for whatever reason, be aware of that you work with a third party that has other interests interests them protecting your 
classified information. That's that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And that's that's logic, you know. It's it's like yeah. uh, that's 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 why using using Google as search engine, you know, I have some some doubts on that side. Mm-hmm. I, I do expect them to sooner or later develop a better search engine that are out there from supplied by the patent offices. It's not yet the case, but I think they have more power in developing a better search engine. But then still, how do they treat classified information? Well, that, that you cannot be sure about. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a, but it's a, it's a common sense thing. It's not like, uh, I don't think Google is bad in doing this. You know, it's, uh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, use common sense and be careful. So Henry says that uh, it, Google's not bad for doing that. Um, and I'm saying, I think Google's kind of bad for doing that, uh, but it's their, it's their service. So a, it, yes. it, it's legally justified. I just don't think it's morally justified. Um, no other. <laughs> I don't want to go in that one. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm using Google like for, for, for lots and lots of things. And I'm, I'm, I'm very, very thankful that I put the system out there, what's out there. I'm, I'm, I cannot say otherwise. Uh, uh, but having said that, yeah, this, this is one of the things you should be careful about. But it's, it's like, um, yeah. But that is, um, no, if, if you look at, at the, the power of, of search at the moment, it's, it's, it's massive. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, thank you very much, Google. <laughs> yes, yes, we're we're gonna be on Google. So, so th- thank you, Overlords. Um, <laughs> and I'm not uh, sponsored by that. Turn my machine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't block me. Oh <laughs> uh, man. So what else? I got, I got a question about your course, uh, Henrik. You, you yes. mentioned that you're just at the beginning stages of creating it. But do you have um, a deadline date as to when you you would like to get it out in the marketplace? And how do you envision the course being like? What what format? And and I guess what I'm I guess the first question is like how many hours content do you see in this course? Well, it is it is uh, containing four modules, each module uh, having four lessons. Right. And each lesson having three items. So it is like um, uh, something like um, some fifty. Uh, videos each video taking about I think 10 minutes so it's 500 minutes of, of uh, video material uh, and it is going to be in a sort of adventure style so I'm, I'm using examples from real life right in which I'm, I'm really looking for hey I'm, I want to develop this uh, where should I look what should I look for which documents pop up um, and uh, after each video there will be some questions and only if you have the correct answers, you will progress in the course. So it's a bit like an adventure style way of doing this course, wherein you really uh, are forced to go outside the course and go into the various search engines to use them and to see what results come out. And these results you have to enter back into the course to progress through the course. So in in the end, if you do one module, you will know how to search in that specific field of technology to find the most relevant documents. That's, that's the whole idea of it. 
So is this course also going to cover like how to file patents or is it focused no, like on the no, front end? Only, only the search. No, it's okay. only the search. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to do any courses on, on how to file patents or how to draft patents because there's, there's lots of lots of information there as well to, to uh, provide. Um, I, I do believe that, that for some parts of the business, it's better to hire specialists and to do everything yourself. It is also this, this searching for documents is only for, you know, a quick Saturday afternoon scan of what is there yeah. uh, so that you can progress uh, sooner in, in your development. That, so that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense because for filing a patent, if you're really serious about it and you feel there's a lot of value in it, uh, I don't see why you wouldn't get a patent lawyer to do it. Do yes. it right. Yeah. Yes. And that's, 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 uh, but uh, that's, that's my, my idea. Uh, I must say that, that for the patent search as such, there's a number of technical options that I uh, am, am thinking of that I have also partly developed that are really massively interesting in the sense that if you, if you look at, patterns mostly you look at the images uh, because in the images you have the most dense information transfer from the document to your brain more than from text yeah but sometimes you have items in the images that you want to know how it is described and i, I built a tool and it is it's working pretty okay that you click on the number of uh, a specific document and then I found automatically in the right uh, text, the right description, what this number means. And it pops up in a little balloon above the, the number. So that's really cool. You don't have to go through the document. You just click on the number. So this, this program makes the images sort of uh, um, semi-dynamic, as if there were dynamic links. But the links are not there. They are just instantly created once you click on a specific number. And you're developing the software or having someone I have, develop the software? I've, written, I've, I've developed the software. It works. There's only one uh, big disadvantage. It works perfectly well with machine-generated numbers. But the moment they're handwritten, it works miserable. All, all bets are off with, uh, once, once the handwriting gets in. It's the same thing with, um, with how hard it is for, for spoken technology. Uh, yeah. and people with accents and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, and the issue is that, that about 30, 35% of all the patent drawings are still, the numbers are still handwritten. So it is, it's like, yes, it works perfectly well, as long as you have uh, machine-typed uh, um, uh, numbers. And that's, that's you know, this, this restriction is really, really uh, barring it from getting it outside. Because it is, it's, it's not, you know, if you have a program and it works only 70% of the time, you're not going to use it. Right. You know, you use it once and then you, you get some mishits and then you forget about it. So it's, it's uh, but I use it myself uh, uh, quite regularly. I, I programmed it in, in Python uh, and it, it, it is magnificent that it, actually that it works. It's really magnificent. It's really cool, cool technology. What, what did you program it in? Python. 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 Okay. And it is, it's a, but it is like, like, um, I'm, I'm not an expert in computer programming. So it is like, like this, this hurdle with this handwritten number 
recognition was for me too big to further develop it. I, I, I simply stopped it at the moment. Uh, it might be that if this course is really going to sell well, that I'm going to hire some specialist to get over this issue. Because I think that it is going to be a very, very nice add-on for people who are doing the course or for people who are searching in patterns because it's, it's the information flow a lot. Cool. Well, good, good luck with that. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, that's, uh, but it's, it's a really cool, cool uh, tool. Uh, but it's not yet not yet developed uh, right. sufficiently developed i would say well, like you said it's 70 percent there so you just, yeah. just got to get the other 30 percent and i and i know there's there's software out there that does a pretty good job of recognizing handwriting um so just keep looking i'm, I'm sure you'll find something yeah let me ask you a question um patent terms in the u.s are 20 years i believe they're the same in in europe right yes um, lately, certain industries have been trying to extend those terms. Uh, the, one, the one that comes to mind is uh, drug, co drug companies, right? Because yeah. they want to increase their, their, their annuities on specific drugs beyond 20 years. And I've heard that they even wanted the same as patent, up, up, up to 70 years. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's, there's a, uh, an extension system in place. Where, because if you have a new drug, uh, uh, regulatory authorities they request specific testing. First testing on on um, how would I say on on bacteria, then testing on uh, uh, lab animals, then testing on healthy persons, then testing on sick persons. So there's lots of testing, and if you add it all up in time wise, mostly before you get a registration of a of a specific drug, it takes up to five or six years. And uh, this five or six years you lose from your total 20 years of patent protection. So what most patent systems do, they grant you an additional six years after this 20 years expiry to make up for this testing years that they claimed in the first sense. So that's, that's the first way to extend your patent and that's a specific for um, uh, drugs on humans and for um, all kinds of uh, uh, plant growth improvement uh, patents mm -hmm. uh, for instance weed killers or uh, germ killers or uh, um, these kinds of uh, substances normally have this long time span of getting an allowance or registration so that's one then there's another thing is that, that if you tweak the formulation and you have a registration on a, on a specific uh, drug, then uh, the registration itself might be a sort of protection. Uh, what, what is, for instance, a trick if you have a specific um, allowance and before the expiry of the patent, you change this registration um, in a, a different dose or a different combination of, of existing medicines. Um, once you have the second registration, other parties have to go through the same procedure of testing before they can get a registration. So there's, there's some tricks to expand the, the protection life. What do I think of this? Um, I don't think that an extension of the patent term is, is, is a good thing 
but I do see that uh, if you have a drug company and you have developed some 20 or 30 different kinds of drugs, and there's only one is really profitable, that you want to keep this monopoly alive as long as possible. So it is, uh, uh, if, you, if you look, for instance, at, at uh, Pfizer's uh, Viagra, you know, they, 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 yeah. it was already an existing drug. They only find a, a different uh, application for the same drug. It was, I think it was for, for uh, uh, lowering blood pressure. And uh, uh, now it's for, uh, how would I say, for uh, extending or promoting uh, male reactions. Right. It is in the end a great invention. Lots of people benefit. Yeah, it is. So, so uh, is it is it unjustified that they uh, uh, exploit this monopoly? Yeah, to a certain extent, no. But you also feel that sooner or later it should be stopped. Right. And I think the twenty years is a good term, uh, especially with the addition. If you have a allowance period that you can add it on on the, on top of the total protection, so. I think in that sense, the system is good. I, I would not promote an uh, extension of the, the period. If you look at, for instance, the copyright, the reason that copyright is so long uh, is actually uh, the lobby work of uh, the Walt Disney Corporation for extending their protection on Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse. And that's uh, 70 years after the death of the creator. I, I think it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It is this, this, uh, and you, you see this all around the globe. You have now these piracy parties, especially in, in Europe, that are fighting against this, this long terms of uh, the copyright. In that sense, I think they are doing a good job. Most of these piracy parties also take along the vision that they should also abolish the whole patent system, and I don't think that's a good idea. Um. So what are your, uh, uh, I mean, we're getting a little late, but uh, what are your thoughts on, um, on Article 13? And uh, well, Please tell me, what is Article 13? Oh, um, well, it's a, basically they're, they're trying to, or the, the European Union is, is trying to figure out how to protect uh, copyright. It's, a, it's copyright infringement only, not, not patents, um, uh, because people use uh, these things, uh, memes, uh, and people own copyrights to these memes, but people send these things over the internet uh, millions of times per day. So they're basically, they're, they're say, in the article, it, it basically says, um, if you're a website, you have to block anything that uh, gets uploaded onto your site that has, uh, that has a copyright on it. Yeah, I'm strongly uh, against that. I'm strongly against that. Yeah, so is, so is the vast majority of the only people that seem to be for it are, are uh, employed at the European Union. Yeah. Well, and why I'm against it, it is yeah. like copyright is uh, prohibiting or you can prohibit if you own the copyright, somebody from making more copies and sending them out. I don't think it is good to attack the channels, but attack the perpetrators. Yeah, that, that's the whole thing. Is um, is what the the laws are now? Is they attack the perpetrator on the channel? It's obviously becoming impossible because millions upon millions of people post these. So then it's like, well, there's only five or six channels on the internet. Why don't we just go after the channels? So so basically, the idea is these channels have to have uh, blocker, invent basically filtration systems that 
aren't going to understand satire. They're not going to understand parody or, or any other laws. And they're, they're just going to be blocking basically half the internet for, for Europe. Yeah. <laughs> enough, they already do. Huh? If you, yeah. if you put, uh, so uh, most of the copyright material nowadays is sort of um, provided with some, some uh, inaudible quotes or, mm -hmm. or, or labels or tags or however you would know, want to know, name it. And uh, either Facebook or YouTube are already filtering out all those uh, material where they see these codes. Irrespective if you have paid your licensing fees. Because if you, uh, some, you can buy through um, some distribution channels, you can buy specific copyrighted music. And the channels are now not checking if you have paid the license, they only check if it is copyrighted <coughs> material, no matter if you pay the license. So, so they block also stuff that is legally uh, uh, being put out there. That's the weird thing. Yeah, the, the, the big change with, the, with Article 13 is, because of course YouTube is, is not just allowing copyright in, infringement material on, but Article 13 uh, states that uh, they have to take down the copyrighted material within one hour of it being posted. And that is uh, an impossibility right now. The new technology will have to be invented because not even YouTube will be able to uh, hire enough people to, to comb the 35,000 hours uh, that's uploaded every minute to YouTube. So, yeah. Although, if you look at at, at uh, like a service like Shazam, mm -hmm. very soon you have at least for music, uh, you know, if something is somehow infringing copyrights, yes or no, it's going very very rapidly. That's true. Uh, it is with with imagery, it's more difficult, I guess. Uh, you can distort it, and you can flip it, and you can you can do all kinds of things with it. Um, yeah, uh, but but uh, I, I do also believe that hey, if you if you have your copyright on a specific whatever work of art, then it is you who should check and not the channels as much. I, mm -hmm. I think that it's not a it's not the work of the channels to check it. But that's that's my feeling. Agreed. Yep. And it is still like like you know uh, we also have a sort of freedom of speech. And it looks like this copyright protection of the channels as it is now in place is sort of touching on to the freedom of speech. And I think they should stay away of that. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's my, my opinion. Yeah, no, it, it, it's good to hear because this is your area. You know, I know you're not a copyright, you're a patent, but, but the, you yeah. understand the, basically how close this stuff is to freedom of speech and freedom of thought and, and expression and, and all that stuff. And, um, and I think that that's some of the stuff that's lost um, on the people who drafted these ideas. Um, but uh, Anthony, you got any other questions? Uh, the only, other question, the only yeah. other question I had is, um, and this is, uh, I saw a presentation by this guy called Patrick Flanagan uh, years ago, and he, he was, uh, he's an inventor, and he invented some, like, um, really innovative stuff when he was a teenager in the 80s, and, and he was mentioning that some of the stuff he invented, uh, the U.S. government stepped in and basically took it. <laughs> they almost said that this is too, like, too out there of technology. We don't want anyone else using it, and I think that they started using it for their own purposes. Um, and then they, they gave him back the, the patent 20 or 30 years later. 
and and the patent was basically he 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 found a way that people who were deaf could hear. There's evidently uh, bones inside your head that if you vibrate things in a certain way, you can actually hear voices inside. You can hear the you can hear the sounds inside your head, right? Um, do you think that actually happens? That the, any government will step in if they see something like like groundbreaking technology that could be um, could put the security of the country at stake that they would step in and do that? Yeah, funny enough, yes. Yes. Uh, some countries still require their inventors, their national inventors, to file first in uh, the country uh, of uh, residence, right. so that they can have a defense check. So there is on some patent systems still a defense check of the national security. It used to be in the Netherlands. We abolished it, uh, and I think it is still in place in the U.S. as well. So if yeah. you have uh, a way to disarm all uh, nuclear weapons by right. sending out some waves or whatever, um, and you file a patent for it, and it it seems to work, then it might be that the uh, U.S. government is stepping in for national security reasons. And I don't know where the boundaries lie because I can't. Uh, this is very difficult to find out. Right. Because <laughs> I don't think I don't think they want you to know where the boundaries. Are. <laughs> what are you saying? I said I said I don't think the government wants you to know where those boundaries lie. No, but it is it is like like uh, uh, some things are really like like too sensitive to God. But it is uh, you know the weird thing is, you as an inventor, if if you are a U.S. inventor and you file your first patent in the Netherlands, well, the U.S. government can't stop that. You know, they can't. They have no, no means to stop a publication of a Dutch patent. They, they have none. Uh, I, I think they'll find a way. If they find oil somewhere in your country, they'll find a way as well. No, no, it is, it, it is like, like they, the, they, they only find it out when it is published, you know, because mm -hmm. the U.S. government has no insight in the Dutch filings before they are published. That's good to know. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah, that was a good question, Anthony. I, I guess, uh, um, um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll end this like kind of asking you guys a couple of like questions that that um, kind of like the, the the dark side of patents, which is um, uh, somebody coming up with an invention. Uh, for example, this has always been thrown around as a free energy machine of some sort and uh these people sometimes end up dead who create these uh, inventions and um and a lot of the the things that happen to to people when their inventions are trying to be su suppressed this is all allegedly this all uh conspiracy theory stuff but um a lot of people put out patent claims on their um on their material like do you do you have any um on their inventions so they say that there already is a patent for this and that's why you can't move forward with your, your their technology is that is that anything, is that real or is that just uh hooey um that is that is uh, uh, very difficult because uh if you see the the patents that are filed it is very difficult to assess from a patent if it is really working like especially if you have a perpetual, perpetual uh, motion machine, there's there's quite a lot of patents filed for perpetual motion machines. Mm -hmm. Well, still have the knowledge or the idea that it is impossible. But hey, it is only impossible because our insight in thermodynamics is such that we think it's impossible. 
unless somebody finds out uh, a workaround, you know. Mm. Um, what is more often effect like, okay, let's say that you have the found uh, fountain of youth. Mm-hmm. Somehow you have found a substance, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe some special mix of herbs from your garden and you will not age anymore. Uh, that might be of interest of quite some players in the field. Yeah. And, uh, it is like, like uh, uh, how do you um, go about with that? Because, uh, for instance, Big Pharma will not like it if, if uh, uh, Justin has suddenly uh, is selling his, his uh, mixture that nobody is aging and nobody is getting ill anymore. Yeah, so it is, it's, it's very difficult to say like, okay, there's then nobody who's going to hunt you. I can't, I can't say, I can imagine that somebody will, you know, somebody who is, who is having massive interest in, in that kind of industry and seeing his whole business being abolished by your stupid invention, you know, it's like, <laughs> it can be. Uh, I, I think it's highly unlikely because it is like uh, there is the same. You have a huge process of getting uh, a registration and getting out there before you can use it as a, as a medicine. So, um, uh, what what you do see, and that's that's like like in all legal systems, there are always uh, ways to abuse it. Is that especially in the U.S. where the infringement um, uh, legal proceedings are very, very expensive mm-hmm. that I just simply claim that you are infringing some of my patents and I ask you for a sum that is like a very, very minute amount in relation to the total legal fees you have to exp- have to pay before you can prove that I am wrong. And that is what is happening. And that is like really, really uh, uh, an abuse of the system. Mm. I cannot, I I, I don't have any insight in how much it's, you see it more in the US than elsewhere because the legal requirements for getting an infringement case are so much higher and the costs are so much bigger. So it is more likely that it happens there. And there's another thing, and that's, that's really a weird thing. The US system has, unlike most other patent systems, uh, not a, clause that if you are not using your patent yourself or you're not licensing it that you're not allowed to stop somebody else Mm. so if you sit on a patent that has been useless or not used for 20 years or for 10 years and you're trying to stop somebody else in the u.s you will in europe you won't because you can if you can't prove that you haven't used it for the last three or five years then at least you can negotiate a licensing fee, but there's no judge who is going to have somebody else stopping uh, uh, exploiting the invention. And that's the whole idea of the patent system, is to progress technology, you know? So the funny thing is that the reason that it is not in the US system was the lobby of Edison. Edison had that time already about a thousand patents filed, and he didn't want uh, this sort of backdoor from if you don't use your, your patents, you cannot stop somebody else. And oh. he successfully lobbied at the US government not to get this backdoor in. And I think it's, it's, it's like 
the current trolling practice would end for a big proportion if there's just simply this backdoor built in the, in the legal system. Like, hey, if you don't use your patent yourself, you're not going to stop somebody else. It's as simple as that. That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, the whole idea, like you said, uh, by, for, behind patents is to protect people so they could monetize their, their inventions, right? But if they don't utilize those invention, uh, uh, inventions, well, let me, let me say it another way. The, the, the whole idea behind patents should be primarily to advance technology yeah. in, in humanity, right? Secondary to protect the person who invented it, right? And if that person who invented it isn't utilizing it, it goes back to the primary reason we use patents to advance humanity and it should be opened up to everybody. Yes. And, and, and uh, uh, it is still possible to negotiate a license. Right, right. Your, your license negotiation is less strong if you can't hinder the other one from performing the invention. So it is, uh, that's, that's the, how would I say, punishment for you not using your patent rights that you sit on and do nothing. Right. I think it's a good system. I, I, and I think, I think in the US it would solve a lot of problems if they put it in. Just I, guess, I guess that, that shows like um, a, a big indication of like um, the negative side of lobbying, right? Special interests of the ones that have money, they lobbied in their self-interest, not to the, not to the interests of the, of the humanity and the nation even, right? Yeah. But I think you touch here a different culture in the U.S. politics compared to the European politics. I think yeah. in the U.S. for a long time, uh, financial, uh, uh, how would I say, incentives by third parties influencing politics is, is far more... Uh, um, Rampant. Far more um, intense than it is in Europe. So, so the, the idea that politicians are here more for the people than for big corporations is, is more than in the US, I would say. It's a, it's, a, it's a different cultural system and it's very difficult to change it. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's, it's a, you see it in, 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 in more, how would I say, in more fields you see it like, like hey, is this government for, for who is this government there, you know? Is it for right. the vote? Or is it for a big industry? And it's, it's like, I, I, I think this, is, this, is, this will shift back sooner or later because it has to. Because actually politics are there for the voters, not for big industry. Well, you know, it's, it's what, what gets the votes. And, and if you can get, uh, as a congressman, if you can get $30 million, um, you're, you win every election that you'll, that you'll be in for the most part. No. Um, so it's like, like, well, this, this guy will only give me one vote, but he'll also give me $100,000. I think I'll do whatever he says. Uh, and then plus on top of that, it, I think like 70% of all um, people, men and women in politics in the United States are lawyers. Um, so they are incentivized to um, make these, uh, make everything become a legal matter um, as opposed to, uh, you know, Angela Merkel is uh, uh, a scientist, and, um, and and there's a lot more. There's a lot. Uh, you you have a uh, a lot more different uh, uh, different. Um, what's the word? 
Did people who, yeah, background in, um, in, in different jobs, titles, and, uh, and, and, and along those lines in, uh, mm-hmm. in, in Europe. And uh, it's very interesting the, the, yeah. the, this is where the differences are, are happening. But it is a, it's, a, it's a cultural difference, and, that it is a, and it's why, why uh, uh, I think there's also big misunderstandings in, in lots of international things between, uh, I would say, uh, America and, and, and Europe especially. Like, like there's different cultures in, in that sense. Especially lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like like uh, parts parts of it is good, parts of it is bad. You know, it's yeah. like, of course. To, to see like like what's 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 the best. Uh, oh, Hendrik, I, I know that um, you've been there for numerous hours today working on your. Uh, I think it's it's uh, the course today. Um, we appreciate the time you've taken with us. I'm sure you want to get back to the course. And I'd like to throw an idea out there. Your course, to me, sounds like something that's going to be extremely valuable to inventors. And, and what that means is extremely invaluable to humanity in general, right? As we, as we move ideas that make sense into the, the marketplace. So once you have the course, we'd love to, up and running, we'd love to have you back on and talk about it. And how you're going to promote it, and what your next steps are going to be with it? Yeah, well, it is. It is. is uh, what I see is that I'm going to promote it uh, really person to person at trade fairs, where I know who are the people who are developing a specific um, uh, technology. Um, and what I want to do is, once I have my first courses sold, to reinvest all the course money into sort of uh, promotion scheme but, uh, but I do see that the, the best way to sell is uh, um, real contact right get out there and meet people yes yes it is like like uh, I sell my own business also only through real contacts my whole internet presence is totally useless for getting new clients it is yeah it's fascinating to see that that there's there's lots of trust involved, and you cannot transmit trust through a screen. It's very difficult. Yeah. Yes, so it's like that, and it is like once once you have a, a how say a number of people who are there, maybe it's more easy. But uh, um, that's what I know. So so uh, I, I will put effort in sales, basically going out there, going to sell it myself. Awesome. And te- technical trade fairs are the best. best first place to be um, how it will develop we will see we, uh, I cannot I cannot assess what kind of success it will have I cannot assess assess it well I, we will see yeah I mean to me it's a great idea so everything starts with a good idea right yeah. um, so we wish you the best thank you yeah, yeah. but I can tell you, I had already lots of ideas that I thought I would be very successful with. <laughs> so have we. <laughs> so yeah. have we. Is, uh, thank you very much uh, for, for having me. Uh, it's, uh, it was really a pleasure. Passion. It's also good to see you guys again. Yeah, nice yeah. To work together. It's always nice to see someone from the London Real family. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Well, stay in touch and let, let us know how the course goes. Okay, I will. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Hendrik, talk to you later. Yeah, Hendrik.